Good morning. How y'all doing? If you have a Bible, you want to turn to two places. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and turn to Psalm 84. We're going to start in Ephesians 1 and then we're going to get to Psalm 84. Um, Does anyone need a Bible? Rick's passing them out back there. If you need a Bible, slip your hand up. He'll bring you one. Everybody there? Okay, now um, look up at me for a second. I want to do something. Um, I want to ask God to pour out his blessing. And I want to position, I want us, I want us to position ourselves under the blessing of God this morning. And I want us simply to do that by the physical act of putting our hands like this. Okay, will you do this with me? Okay. Just put our hands out, just symbolic of God, pour out your blessing, fill us. Okay, and let's, let's pray. I'm going to give you a second to just ask God to come. Confess your sin. Position yourself under the blessing of God. Mighty God, would you fall fresh on us? Would you Pour out your spirit here. God, our hands are open. Symbolic of our desire to receive your blessing this morning. Would you come and where we are frail and unable to position ourselves under your blessing, would you do it for us by your grace? So God, have your way. May we never be the same. In Christ's name, amen. So this morning, um, when we get to Psalm 84, we're going to look at three blessings that are present for the believer Three blessings, the blessing of those who dwell in God's presence, the blessing of those who journey in faith, and the blessing of those who trust in the Lord. But here's something we need to do first, because I want you to know what you just did, okay? I want you to know what you just asked for, um, and I wonder if maybe our minds are often skewed by what we think blessing is, okay? Um, So... Uh, a couple weeks ago, I had the, the privilege of participating in quite the competition. Um, many of you know I'm a high-end artist throughout the week, a couple days a week. And uh, I competed at, at an art competition, um, building sandwiches. Yes, I'm a sandwich artist. Um, and so, um, actually, uh, I, I am, b- believe it or not. Um, and so I, I competed um, with some a couple other people in this competition where we had to m- compete with about 130 other people to make the fastest 
most accurate, most beautiful foot-long turkey sandwich um, known to man, okay? Um, and the fastest and most accurate uh, received a prize, okay? Um, in fact, first place winner got $3,000, um, and it was quite the competition, um, especially among my coworkers and my boss, and, um, and so we practiced and practiced and practiced, and we trash-talked and trash-talked, and, and we were ready to, to bring home the, the gold, um, and, uh, and so we went up there to compete, and the cameras are in our face, and, you know, there's a couple hundred people there watching, and the music's going, and turkey's flying, and, but, you know, it's like living the dream, right? <laughs> and uh, I didn't win. I didn't win. Um, does that mean I didn't have God's blessing? So the girl who beat me by 11 seconds, she have God's blessing? Anybody buy a Powerball ticket? You put your hand up like no one's going to be like, oh. You probably should have, right? I mean, I'm kicking myself that I know. Um, does winning the Powerball denote God's blessing on your life? Let's look at this. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look biblically. What does it mean when we talk about the blessing of God? Ephesians 1. Let's walk through this. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Okay, so he's given us every spiritual blessing. Now, what in the world is that? Like, I just made you put your hands out and ask for the blessing of God to fall in your life. But what in the world does that mean? Let's look. Here it is. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay, there's no greater blessing in life than the fact that if you're a Christian here today, you've been chosen by God. He said, you are mine. Called out, you are mine. It's a blessing of God on your life. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Verse 5, in love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Okay? The blessing of God on your life is the fact that he's adopted you into his family. Scripture says, once you were not my child, now you are my child. That's adoption. He calls you son and daughter. He's your father. That's, that's the blessing of God. Keep going. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, okay? Get this picture, okay? You're destined for hell, you and I. But the blessing of God on our lives is that he's redeemed us. Scripture says he's redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's the blessing of God on our lives. 
the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Okay. Journey with me here for a second. Have you ever been hurt by someone? Like to where you struggle to forgive them. You just wrestle as said, God, I just can't forgive them. You know what's crazy? We're not even God. He forgives us. Like, no one's wronged you worse than you've wronged God. No one's wronged me worse than I've wronged God. But the blessing of God on our life is that we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness through the riches of his grace that he lavished on us, lavished with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. Like that's a blessing that we can know his will. We can know the plans he has for us according to the purpose of him, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, the blessing of God. We have an inheritance, namely heaven, namely an identity that's found in the person and work of Jesus Christ, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. You know something? The blessing of God on your life is that you can have hope in him. That he is the means to hope. That's God's blessing on us. Verse 13, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. Okay, you know how many people hear the word of truth, but don't believe? Every day, the gospel is being proclaimed. People don't believe you're a Christian here today, and you've believed, having believed, it's the blessing of God. You were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit. That's the blessing of God on your life. God putting himself in you through the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Like, I wonder if I'm going to get my inheritance. I wonder if somebody's going to steal my inheritance. Like, if I win the Powerball, like, you know, my brother going to steal the Powerball winnings my dad got, you know, like, it's guaranteed. Not the Powerball, but the heavenly inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, this is the blessing of God. When we, when we talk about what does it mean to be blessed by God, we're not talking about materially, although it can include that. We're not talking about physically, although it can include that. We're not talking about success, although it can include that. Now, go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is, has been just this... Pretty cool psalm in my mind, probably because for about five years, um, I spent um, several months in those five years having students recite Psalm 84 to me. So I made my students memorize not just small chunks of Scripture, but like massive chunks of Scripture, like whole chapters of Scripture. Um, I'm going to ask Sarah Klein. Um, and, uh, and so Psalm 84 was one of them, where they memorized the entire book of Psalm 84. Um, and so for months, students like 50 students would come up one at a time and they'd just recite portions of it 
for like a whole semester. Um, and it's precious, and I'm excited to, to walk through it with you. Before we get there, I want you to think of a time when you experienced something amazing. What's a time when you experienced something amazing? Share with me. What is a time in your life when you experienced something that was just like, holy cow, like, wow, that was great. That was awesome. There is no wrong answer. Some of you guys are like, man, you and Rick doing this whole like Q&A, like getting us to talk stuff. Like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? I probably, well, I might make you expound. We're so glad you're here. So, anything you don't like, you ask. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody else. I was I was guessing one of those would come out. The birth of a child. Somebody else. For me, probably one of the most amazing experiences was when I was snowboarding in Colorado. And we're up to the top of the mountain. And I don't know if you've ever been skiing or snowboarding. Um, there was what's called whiteout conditions. We don't have those around here, okay? Um, so whiteout means literally what you think. Like you can't see because there's so much snow. Okay, so literally, like, we're about ready to trek down. We're on the top, the very top of the mountain in Colorado, and we're about ready to trek down the mountain. And I'm with, like, people snowboarding that are a whole lot more skilled at it than I am. And, like, and so, like, I'm just kind of following them, but, like, they're, like, weaving in and out of trees. And literally, like, I'm from here to Rick, and I can't see that person. It was awesome. <laughs> like, I can't even describe it. Like, it was amazing. And the cool thing is, is, like, when you fell, it was, like, falling into your, your pillow. Um, unless you hit a tree, that would be problematic. Um, the psalmist here goes into this experience. Okay, L- look at verse 1. He-, he describes this like this unbelievable setting when he says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now, the context of the psalm is the Jews are, similar to the one Rick preached last week, are, are traveling um, at least once, sometimes several times a year, to the epicenter of Jewish life, of, of religion, um, to Jerusalem. Okay? And, and this picture is the longing in their heart to get there because the temple was the, the dwelling place of God. Okay? And so here you have... The picture of the psalmist describing a setting of, of worship. Um, I, I remember a time when it was the summer of 2002. One of the most impactful experiences of my life was 
um, doing an internship at a, hu- at a church in Texas. And um, the team that I was with, we were in charge of recreation at middle school camp um, toward the end of the summer. And so all, all 10 of us went to this middle school camp. And we're, um, we're on the edge of the ocean. Um, and I don't know like, how music, if music stirs you or not, but like, music really affects me and really stirs my heart. Um, not like country music, like I can't really do that. Um, but like music that talks about the Lord for some reason just really stirs my heart. Sorry if I offended some of you. And, um, and so the setting is like we're having like a church service like this, but picture like a church service like this with some like rock star music going on like we had earlier. And like that whole um, like Limburg over there is like the ocean. Okay, and I just remember a time I was just writing in my journal, and it was one of those moments like you never wanted to leave because I was experiencing the presence of God in such a massive way, I can't even begin to describe it. Some of you are like nodding because you know exactly you've experienced that. You know what that's like. That's the setting. That's the scene here. The psalmist is writing about an experience with God. Now, I wonder, um, some of you describe that, as you talked about having a child and coming here and these different experiences that were in your mind as, as I was talking about something that happened that was, that was incredible. But I wonder when's the last time that happened? Or do you just look back to that experience so long ago? Wow, that was awesome. And God's like, no, I want to do that in your life regularly, on a regular basis. I want to do that in your life that's the picture here. Okay, my, and and how, do, how do we do that? We, we position ourselves under the blessing of God. We get with God. We get alone. Confess our sin before God. And he wants to allow us to encounter him in such a way that's described here. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, just faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Now, Check this out. Look at verse 3. Kind of goes a weird direction here. Um, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Okay, so the the picture here is that... um, Sparrows and swallows were pretty prevalent in Palestine. Okay, so much so um, that... Put that picture up for me. Coop, um, so much so that they would find their home, and you can't really see that in that picture, um, they'd find their home in the wall of the Temple Mount, where they would, they would dwell there. And go to the next picture, and it shows um, a little bit clearer picture um, of a bird there. And these birds would come, and they'd, they'd find safety and shelter in the walls of the Temple. Now, what do you know, or do you have any idea what this is symbolic of? What, what does a sparrow represent in the Bible? Huh? Us? Okay. What? The least of God's creation. Maybe you've heard this verse before. In Matthew chapter 10, it says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, 
And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father. Now, I know there's been some ongoing discussion around here about pennies and the value of a penny, and we won't have anybody speak up or, or share about that. But uh, I wonder the last time you were like, sweeping up the floor and like, you swept up a penny and you threw it away and you're like, unless you're like you know, Ben Franklin, then that's totally the opposite of how you think. Um, but, but picture this here. This, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? What is it talking about? A sparrow represents worthlessness. In the biblical context. It really don't matter. Okay, I used to like sit in my parents' window of the back of our house and I'd pick them off with my BB gun. They just fall to the ground. And I never really thought about the fact that like God knew that. <laughs> I don't know if he's smiling or not, but I'd just pick them off and then yes, and like keep a tally. And, um, but they really, they're a symbol of worthlessness. But, but get, the, get the crazy contrast here because they're still valuable to God. They're still valuable. He knows. Verse 30, but even the hairs of their head are numbered. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than many sparrows. You know what's crazy about these birds? They have no clue of the hand of God or the heart of God. They're not thinking, man, how blessed am I that God's given me this dwelling place to dwell literally in the walls of his house where God dwelt. In the Old Testament, in the temple. They were, they were thinking about that. They were thinking about like, wow, like, what an awesome God. Like, they don't know of the hand and the heart of God. But you and I, the Bible says that there's blessing for those who dwell in God's house. Now, what's the house of God? Because if you look at the next verse, it says this, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. It, was, it represented God's presence. It represented God's dwelling, God's dwelling place. Now, in the new covenant, the dwelling place of God is where? With us. With men. In our souls, God, God dwells. But listen, there's a huge difference between dwelling and visiting. Is there not? There's a huge difference between dwelling, because notice it doesn't say, blessed are those who visit your house. Do you, have a, do you visit God, or do you dwell with Him? Because the effect is, like, you can't ever stop singing his praise. Here's the difference. It's the difference between a heart that's saturated with the gospel, okay, versus, and I'll describe, define that in a second, versus this vague reality of, of God, okay? You ever met someone that just kind of talked about God, trusting God, I go to church, Okay? That's, in many ways, this picture of being a visitor of God. Yeah, I go on Sundays. But the calling for us as God's people is to dwell, to live with, to dwell with, that we would know Christ, that we'd live in the hope of the cross every single day, that this blessing that's depicted in Ephesians chapter 3 would be lived out in the fullness of its weight in our identity we don't find our identity in, in who we are as people, in the job that we have, in the friends that we have. 
in the stuff that we have, but we find our identity in the dwelling place of God. So I ask you this question, where does your heart find its home? Where does your heart find its home? Because the psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Um, I, I don't know about you, but um, it's, it's amazing to, as I get older, to think about just the journey of life um, that, that God's taken me on, that God's taken several of you that I've lived, have the opportunity to live life with. Just this journey. And the second one here as we go to verse 5 talks about the blessing of God for those who journey in, in faith. Verse 5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rains also cover it with pools. Okay, so what's happening here is this is describing the Jews making their journey to Jerusalem where they would find blessing, okay? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are are on this path, this highway to Zion, literally the road to Jerusalem that they would would take, okay? But he uses this image. It describes a place that's that's believed to be unknown, um, but it's a place that's called uh, the Valley of Baca, which literally translates the Valley of Tears or the Valley of Weeping. Um, and it's described as a place, although it's physically not, not known for sure, it's described as a place of, of, of utter disaster um, where there's no water, um, where resources are limited. It was on, pictured on the journey to Jerusalem, on this journey. And what's crazy is like it's describing this picture even for us. Of sorrow. And what's crazy is for us as Christians, notice what it says as they go through the valley of Baca. Like, I wish it said if. Do you know what I mean? I, I wish that, that the Bible there, like if I could change it, that it would say if they go through the valley of tears. But notice it says as they do. It's talking about the believers that are walking the journey of faith, that are living in the journey of faith, and that are pressing in to Jerusalem, for us, the new Jerusalem, the journey to the fullness of God's presence in heaven, as they go through the valley of Baca. Um, I remember a couple days ago, actually it was about a week ago, Danielle came home and she shared this story with me that still leaves me utterly broken um, of, of a youth group who took their youth some 300 miles away. And they were on their way home. You can Google this and, and read the story. They were on their way home and they, were, um, they had an entire bus full of youth. And they were a mile from the church, like a 350-mile trip, and they're 349 miles done one mile from the church and they start exiting and the brakes go out on the bus and the van smashes into a median and flips over or the bus um, and three people were killed um, a sponsor who went solely because there was one student who she knew wouldn't feel comfortable unless she was there and she wanted to go and be a part of that student's life she was killed she had five kids um, and the youth pastor and his wife in their 20s, they were killed. And she, uh, 
was a month away from having a baby. And the, the youth pastor's dad is the pastor of the church. They were one mile away. Uh, many people were injured, and those three lives were taken. It's just brutal. Like, it's just, it's just, it's terrible. It's brutal. And another story, so I have a, a friend that I taught with, and I taught at North County Christian, um, who found out about a year ago that she had cancer. And um, sweetest, one of the sweetest girls I've ever met, just servant of Christ, even gave up um, teaching to, to go to Sudan and teach English. Um, just one of the most fervent pursuers of Jesus. Um, she fought the battle of cancer, came out good, and um, they believe it's returned. Uh, she's like, I don't know, 29, 30? Um, so pray for her. Uh, incredible girl. That's, that, she's in the Valley of Baca. Um, I remember... Uh, and we talk about it often because it was such a heavy deal. I remember being um, in the Good Friday tornado, and we were, like, almost the whole church was over at the Maxidens, uh the day after the tornado. And, I, and there's, there's two images that I, that I, when I think of that tornado, I cannot get out of my mind. And it's one, it's everyone just kind of cleaning up the yard, and all of us, like, the, there weren't really trees we could take off the Maxidens house because they were, like, this big. Um, but like the neighbor's house, Jim, like we're just, all of us are chainsaws and we're pulling limbs off and I just can't get that picture of just you guys serving. And, um, the the other picture, and I don't know if you guys will remember this, um, but Rick and Jen are sitting on the porch of their neighbor Robert's house. And I I just remember, uh, just kind of looked over and saw him sitting there and I just kind of locked eyes at them and Jen is just... As we're all over here kind of cleaning up, she's just, she's just weeping. She's just weeping. And Rick's just holding her, weeping. And, you know, we journeyed with them, and that was just a rough, rough, rough time um, for, for their family. And um, the Valley of Baca, as you go through the Valley of Baca, but here, check out the promise that comes, okay? Look at what it says. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. So that's a description of hope. Like I'm sure we could go to all these stories and we could talk about hope that's rising as we wait on the Lord. We talk about how hope has risen in the midst of some of the darkest times, the, the, the valleys. I don't know what your baka is. I don't, know, I don't know what the darkness is or the times when you just want to get out of this. But the truth that you need to know is not if, but as. As you go through the valley of Baca, in the power of God, you have the ability, by God's grace, to make it a place of springs. Where hope rises up, where the dwelling place of God may be. In those times, you feel like, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can make it. But the crazy thing is, is that the the scripture says that they go from strength to strength. Not like they endure their weakness, but they go from strength to strength. Like, have you ever been on a really long journey and you just didn't know if you could make it and like you're just worn out? Well, this is a picture of the strength of God surrounding you in the valley. And you literally finding strength in the valley. 
and strength in the valley and strength in the valley in the midst of the darkness. They go from strength to strength. It's described in Proverbs 4.18 this way. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. That's us, guys. Like the Jews were traveling to Jerusalem. We're traveling to the new Jerusalem. And you know what? As we pass through the valley of Baca, like there are Bacas. There are valley of tears. The strength of God is present through his blessing to strengthen us. That we can go from strength to strength in those times until each one of us appear before God in Zion. And then the psalmist cries out to God and he says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed one. I don't know if in the journey of faith, if you've ever cried out to God and asked him to remove pain from your life, ask, you to rem- ask him to remove baka from your life, but you know something that's true? God will never remove something from your life that will diminish faith. He won't. But God, remove baka from my life. If it's going to require you not have to put your full trust in God. He loves you too much. And the only means by which he would actually answer that prayer is if it's to break you so that you ultimately would put your faith and trust in him. So the psalmist paints this picture in one through five of the blessing of God, this deep abiding intimacy and his promised provision in it. In the journey of faith. And so I just want to challenge you that, it, that wherever your journey's at, like press into the journey. Continue pushing forward in the journey because God's blessing is there. And springs will rise up and there will be hope. Look at verse 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. The psalmist describing this image of the intimate presence of God. You know what? When you've experienced God, you can identify this with this. Amen? You can identify with this idea that better is one day in your courts than 2.7 years anywhere else. It's that moment on the ocean when you're worshiping God and you wish you could just like linger here. There are moments in Mexico, I wish I could just linger here. There are times I'm with my family, I wish I could just linger here. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. I wonder if This morning, you're living your life trying to find some life, trying to find some light. Because the picture here is the picture of God, the Almighty God, for the, for the Lord. God is a sun and shield. The sun is a picture of light, of abundance, of God's provision. The shield is a picture of God's protection. 
I'm sure you're like me that like, I try to create those moments. I try to create the protection. Like it's my job ultimately to protect. Now it's my job to protect. I te- like every time I leave the house, I'm like, Tobin, protect your mom. Like you think really, Tobin could really protect his mom? I don't know, he got this new Hulk suit. It's pretty sweet. But ultimately, it's not our job to protect ourselves. It's ultimately God's. And what's incredible is not only has the Lord got a son in the shield, but the Lord's the one who bestows favor and honor. So it's like you want to protect your financial picture so that you could, you know, have what you need, like, you know, when you retire and in your 401k and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what? Like God's the one who supplies favor. Like, yeah, there's wisdom and value in that, but, but God is the one who brings favor into our lives, who provides what we need ultimately. And you know what? Here's the kicker. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. There's an interesting reality about upright living that much of it goes unnoticed. Because you know what? You can hide. You can appear to be upright. And there's so much about what this scripture is talking about is that what it means to live uprightly before the Lord has more to do with you and your alone time than you and your public time. And what I want to tell you, for those of you that are just trying to be faithful to God, just trying to do what he wants you to do, no good thing to see withhold. Read Ephesians 1 and think about that. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So for those who aren't walking uprightly and you're missing the blessing of God, you're missing when we don't walk uprightly, even how good you are at hiding it or how good I am at hiding it, you're missing the blessing of God. In part, that comes to community and vulnerable and honest living. It's powerful. God doesn't miss your upright living. He sees it and he blesses it and he honors it. And no good thing does he withhold. Verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. There's no greater picture of this than a couple weeks ago. Um, I was with Mikhail at swimming lessons. And m- many of you know Mikhail, and she's ferocious, okay? Um, and she's fearless. Um, and so it's the point of swimming lessons where they're, they're jumping off the diving board. And, uh, and so I was like, sweet, she's going to be like, woo, you know, like... Um, and she gets up there, and there's a lifeguard that's actually walking with her on the board. Um, and then there's two in the water with their little, like, little, you know, I can save you floaties. And, uh, and so Michaela gets halfway out, and she stops. She's like, and the lifeguard's like, the lifeguard's like, no, no, you can't. You, you have to go off the end. 
She's like, no, 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 no. So they're like back and forth, back and forth. He wants to li- you know, lift you down. No, no, no. Like, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And like, well, my daughter's not doing something. Like, she's just not doing something, okay? It's kind of just how it goes. And then I have to step in, and that's a whole other story. But, um, and so she's there on the board, and she's like, I'm not jumping. She didn't trust her lifeguard. And I looked her in the eye, and I said, Mikhail, if I get in the water, will you jump to me? So I dove in. It's like parents all around. I'm taking my shirt off and like diving in. And had hat hair and you know everything. Um, no, and I, <laughs> and I just got it wet. No. And I dive in the water. And I swim to the bottom of the diving board. And I look up. And she didn't even think twice. She just leapt. And I caught her. And there's just this huge smile on her face. And I was just like, talk about experiencing the Lord. Listen, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Maybe you're on a journey where you're on that diving board. You just, you want to go back. Like, God, I don't want to take this road. Don't want to take, I want to go back. And God in his loving arms is saying, trust me, trust me. And he's down there, ready to catch you. You just got to trust him. We trust him this morning. We trust him in the valley of Baca. Listen, Mikhail knows there's no way I'm going to drop her. There's no way I'm going to miss her. That's God. That we're on the board and he's in the water. That's God. He wants you to jump into his arms and the favor of God be on your life. Jump into his saving grace that he poured out through the work of Christ on the cross that we might receive forgiveness of sin. Will you trust him this morning and receive his blessing? Let's pray. Let's respond to the Lord. Father God, give us the faith to jump into your arms. Give us the strength to trust your blessing. We think we know better. But would you lead us? Would you guide us to respond to you? Have your way in Christ's name.